This is Katie Prejean McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. In December of 2019, after 28 hours of consecutive travel from the moment I left my house to the moment I checked into my hotel room, I traveled to Perth, Australia, and got to spend a few days with the people of Australia, specifically the young people of Australia, at their youth festival. About 7,000 young people were gathered together at this convention center in Perth uh, a few weeks before Christmas, and we got to spend the days together unpacking and exploring Catholicism and faith and, and what it means to be a Catholic. I got to share my perspective on what it means to be a Catholic as an American to these Australian young people, and it was, it was really quite remarkable. I remember a number of things about that trip, uh, the way the young people and their adult chaperones were so hospitable and kind and welcoming, how much fun it was to see them gathering together for a concert, to see them gathering together for a giant outdoor closing mask, to, to see them hanging out and spending time you know, playing frisbee and sharing stories and doing different crafts in this big expo zone. The best apple juice I've ever had in my entire life was consumed there in Australia. And as I was reminded by many young people many times, the coffee in Australia is the best you'll ever have. And I still have dreams about the coffee that I had there. But the thing that struck me the most, and the thing that I actually get to talk to my guest about today on the Ave Explorers podcast, was the hospitality, the kindness, the welcome. Every single person I had the opportunity to encounter, and, and I truly believe this wasn't just because I was one of the headline speakers, but every single person I met and chatted with and, and shook hands with and had a cup of coffee with and just, and just listened to, every single person was so happy that I was there, thanked me for making the trip, wanted to tell me what they loved about their country. And I loved that. I loved getting to see that. I loved getting to, to hear those stories and, and to see these people loving their country as much as they did. So as we've been unpacking and exploring Catholicism around the world, I wanted to talk to somebody from Australia, hear about the church down under, as they say. Malcolm Hart is the director of the Center of Evangelization for the Australian Bishops Conference. And so Malcolm is who I had communicated with, who welcomed me, who brought me to the country for this youth festival. And so, so Malcolm was the person I called and said, hey, I want to hear about the church. I want to hear about the church's engagement with the indigenous people of Australia. I want to hear about what uh, the Australian church is actually like, what challenges the Australian church might be facing, what you yourself have experienced as uh, a person of faith in Australia. Malcolm was grateful uh, to be invited, and, and I was super grateful that he said yes. And despite the fact that when I interviewed him, he was technically in the future, if you look at the time zones, it was in the afternoon for me on a Monday and, and Tuesday morning for him, we were still able to have a great conversation, really digging into what makes the Australian church unique and beautiful. This, of course, is all part of our Ave Explores Catholicism Around the World series. You can find all of our content, podcasts, videos, articles, social media exclusives, a gift basket giveaway. You can find all of this available on AveMariaPress.com. We hope that you sign up for the weekly email so that you don't miss out on any of this content that we are creating for you, including, like I said, all these other podcasts. Earlier this week, we had a conversation with Cardinal Napier of Durban, South Africa, and we talk about the church's struggles and challenges and gifts there. Coming up next week, we're talking about the Church in the Americas. And so we've got some great content coming with J.D. Flynn and Brenda Noriega, stuff that I really hope that you, you don't miss out on. So please go subscribe, go, go sign up for those emails over on AveMariaPress.com. But today, of course, we bring to you an excellent conversation with my good friend Malcolm Hart of Australia about the Australian Church 
what it's facing, what it brings to the world, what we all need to know about the church down under. When I came to Australia, I I guess like as an American, you look at the map and you're like, oh, Australia, it's like all desert. Like that's all you think of. I wonder if Australians think the same way about Americans, like, oh, it's all like New York or it's all Chicago. Like there's so many different facets to these other countries and these big countries. Malcolm, tell me a little bit about like if you had to describe Australia and then describe the church in Australia in a couple of sentences, how would you kick that conversation off? Uh, diverse would be would be where I'd start. Um, obviously, Australia is a very big country. We've got mm-hmm. about 23 million people. Um, about 5 million of those are Catholic um, and a large migrant population of Catholics as well, so both historically and, um, and currently. But uh, I, I think what I would say about the church in Australia is very passionate, a small group of people at the moment, so um, very committed, very passionate. Uh, and I think we're in a real transition from really going from a, a church that was participatory, uh, just sort of uh, attended mass and that's all we did kind of thing, and, and now moving or trying to move into a missionary discipleship mm-hmm. um, lifestyle uh, and, and life. So uh, that's the big challenge, I think, for us as a church to move from, oh, being Catholic means attending mass to being Catholic means actually evangelising and being a missionary disciple in everyday life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's probably a big challenge for us as a church. I, I I would agree. I think it's a big challenge everywhere. How do you think Australia's tackling that? Like, what are some initiatives? I know you're on the front lines of this with the with the work you do with the bishops' conference. But just like the average Australian Catholic who's walking around Perth or spending time in Brisbane, you know, the places that you're from and you live, how do, how do you think that's working? How do you think it's happening? What are some challenges maybe y'all are facing? Well, I think. Um, I think a lot of Catholics are probably more attentive to political topics and situations at the moment as well. Um, But I think more and more um, Catholics are are probably more aware of um, their community and accompaniment, what it means to accompany the person next to them. Mm. Um, rather than just being out there proclaiming or running a program or something. Mm -hmm. We're now coming to terms with the fact that, okay, we've got to be there for each other in Mm. this in new ways. So there's there's lots of different um, uh, things that have happened in recent years, the Royal Commission of Sex Abuse, the marriage debate, um, where Catholics have, and, and most Churches have been under attack, really, uh, and, and lost a lot of credibility in all of that. So mm-hmm. I think we're banding together a lot more and we're, we're sticking together a lot more um, in this time because it's been very challenging. Yeah. You said something at the start of that, that Australians are very much attuned to the accompaniment thing. Like, I'm going to be in relationship with somebody and tell them about the faith rather than stand on a street corner and just shout it. I found in my time in Australia that hospitality was like, that was the word I wanted to use to describe every person I met. There was just this, this kindness and this desire to make sure that I felt at home. Um, That's, that's something unique about Australian culture. Tell me a little bit about that. Tell me what that's like to grow up in, to live in, to welcome people there, to experience that. I mean, we're, our mutual friend, Steve Angrisano's son, loved it so much he moved there, right? Like, like <laughs> there's obviously some secret to Australian hospitality. Let's dig into that a little bit. Maybe tell me about that in your life. 
Well, I don't know if there's any major secret, and, and it's, <laughs> but uh, at the same time, that's something I've grown up around a, a lot of, uh, whether it be extended family or, or the parish community. And really that's, uh, that's been, for me, a, a real foundation, a real cornerstone of how I got involved in church. Mm-hmm. You, it was the community that I was involved in, the group of friends and peers that, that the acceptance and welcome that I received was definitely part of the foundation of my core evangelization experience. Um, but growing up, I, uh, you know, I, I came from a family of three boys, but my parents both had large families. So my dad came from a family of 12, mum from a family of six. So, I mean, my 21st, everyone, everyone gets invited and you have yeah. 150 people there and some cousins you haven't quite met yet uh, <laughs> or haven't seen in years. But um, I, I think generally as Australia, we like to get together. Uh, we like to 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 catch up and um, be welcoming of each other, uh, very open. I think particularly when we've got visitors uh, from overseas, we, we go out of our way. We know we've got a good thing in here in Australia, so we like to share it around. Mm-hmm. But um, that hospitality and, and welcome is, it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm struggling because it's quite normal. Uh, it's right. quite a normal thing for us to just be, very open and sharing, and uh, and have people come and come and join our our family and community. Mm-hmm. And then you also said something in that first answer, kind of about the relationships that people have. There is this very obvious welcome and hospitality, but there's also been a a hard fought battle in the church in Australia. Most recently, I think people would reference the the Cardinal Pell. I don't even know what to call it. Situation. Um, the, the sex abuse crisis hit, has hit every country in the church, but that was very much in the news globally in a very uh, visible way. Uh, there's also this secularization, the battle about marriage. I remember a conversation with Father Rob and we were just sitting in the restaurant and he made the comment about how he doesn't like to always wear his collar because sometimes it, it can lead to people literally spitting at him when he's just out and about in his daily life. What what is that secularization crisis facing Australia right now? And, and how have you maybe seen it affect people's personal faith, affect parish life, uh, you know, be this moment of crisis, so to speak? Yeah, it's something that's, that's built over a long period of time. Uh, and uh, the Royal Commission into Institutional Child Sex Abuse was a big part of that. And then followed straight on from that was the debate on same-sex marriage in Australia. And, and through that, um, like in many places around the world, the church's credibility has really been called into question in amongst mm-hmm. all of that. How can it have these positions? How can it let these things happen? Um, and the biggest challenge, I think, in, in that is um, the hurt that it's caused. Um, it's not just about credibility of the church. It's it's the hurt that's caused individuals, communities. Um, but it also disempowers the church from speaking up in other situations, um, mm-hmm. on life matters, on uh, you know care for the elderly, euthanasia laws, refugees, um, all these other matters, like the, the church loses its credibility across the board. Mm-hmm. And there is some really important debates that are happening at the moment, uh, particularly around life matters of euthanasia and in, and new levels of abortion laws in Australia, um, where the church is struggling to have a voice, um, but. People are, the quantity of people involved in this is increasing. Mm. Um, you know, different marches and different um, protests and um, uh, things like that where just the quantity of people involved is, is getting much greater because 
um, it's not just the leaders of the church who are showing their voice, it's the people of God who are really mm-hmm. showing their voice in this at the moment because um, it, it's being pushed too far in, in, in many cases. So it sounds like institutionally, maybe from the top, credibility is weakened, but then people who are living their faith actively day by day are capable of sharing it, and there's some credibility there. Yeah, and I think, as I said before, I think I think the Catholic community in Australia is rallying a little bit uh, to support itself um, mm-hmm. because uh, not just to support our leaders and, and, and our teaching and our voice, but um, in the way it supports each other, in the way it uh, participates as a community, um, in the way it's engaging in, in different topics and conversations. So, and that's 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 been part of our history as as a church and as a country uh, mm-hmm. of sort of standing up for a mate, um, uh, of getting into the trenches and uh, and battling it out. So, you know, Australia's the church in Australia is built on um, service to the poor and and marginalised. So we have significant Catholic education institutions, healthcare institutions. Um, I think uh, twenty over 20% of the students in Australia are educated at a Catholic school um, and we have a major infrastructure in Catholic healthcare, um, all built on service to the poor and marginalised. Mm. Um, so I think this is a renewed um, uh, growth and, uh, and time for us to look at, well, who's the marginalised now uh, and where do we need to be? Tell me a little bit of that history. I mean, the, the church was built, like you said, serving the poor, the marginalized. Was it missionaries that came to Australia that that arrived in the country and, and were ready to convert people? Um, was it was it a, I forgive my ignorance, like I, I truly don't know the history. I don't know the story there. <laughs> yeah, and I'm no historian either, but I think... Um... From, from my understanding, yes, there was uh, a number of overseas missionaries that came to Australia and, um, and in, in their zeal there were, there were mistakes that were made and mm-hmm. uh, particularly with the Indigenous uh, people of Australia. But at the same time, I think that one of our, our strengths has been the, the variety of religious orders that have come into mm-hmm. the country and um, been steadfast in, and learnt from those experiences and, and continue to be in those mission and ministry outreaches today. Uh, a lot of our rural communities and remote communities in Australia, whether Indigenous or not, uh, are served by religious orders. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some religious who have dedicated their entire lives to just living with Indigenous people to mm-hmm. learn from them and support them and um, uh, and be present with them uh, for, for a whole generation. Um, and, and that's what it takes, I think. You know, it's not just about coming in and, and providing a service or, or being there for someone, you know, you have to learn the culture, learn the people mm-hmm. and, and find out what they need. You know, we, we can't just assume we know what others want. And, and that takes, takes sitting on the land, sitting with them, sharing stories, getting to know people. Um, and, and that's where the long-term history of religious orders have made a big difference. So someone like uh, our first and uh, only saint at the moment, Mary McKillop, um, you know, she travelled the land uh, and sat with people uh, and and uh, and built up uh, the, the the Josephites around the mm-hmm. country of people uh, wanting to make a, a change by service to the poor. But she did that by travelling around, writing letters and being present to people uh, on the ground. A ministry of hospitality, which I would, yeah. I would say, I mean, I, I've seen it up close in Australia. You mentioned Indigenous men and women, these communities of people that were evangelized, sometimes 
well and sometimes to the detriment of their own culture. Um, one of the things I loved in my time there was seeing kind of this beautiful integration of the indigenous, uh, the art, indigenous uh, makeup, I guess is the right word maybe, or the um, the face painting that was, that was particularly, uh, it throws you at first, like it was like, what is that? And then hearing the story and learning about their connection to the environment and then learning what they, what they, are trying to advocate for and are bringing back of their culture. What are some ways that the Australian church, especially the bishops conference that you work for um, and even in parish life, how, how are you seeing kind of an honoring of that culture, a recognition of mistakes that were made and then a, an integration of the two? Well, I think uh, within the bishops conference level, just organizationally, there's, there's nine commissions that look at the, the spectrum of work in, in the country and um, one of those is on relationships with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders. So one of the nine focus areas is, is in that relationship. Uh, there's an advisory council, a national Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Catholic Council, which is made up of Indigenous people that advise the bishops in that area mm. um, and uh, have their own network of support around the country as well. Um, the bishops have um, released guidelines about acknowledgement of country. So one of the one of the things we do in Australia is acknowledge acknowledge the traditional owners uh, wherever we are. Um, you know, the Indigenous uh, people, the Aboriginal people of Australia, didn't have uh, state borders. They were tribes, and they mm-hmm. had um, uh, they uh, they managed and owned and, and were part of the land in, in hundreds of different places around the country. So we acknowledge. Uh, the traditional owners when we start a meeting, start an event, um, which you would have seen uh, part mm-hmm. of that at, at the youth festival, um, and we acknowledge their, their elders past and present and, and we walk with them in the journey of caring for, caring for country. So that has been in itself an acknowledgement and a learning experience um, I know uh, you'll see behind me. We we did a, we we commissioned a piece of artwork for our. We had a year of youth in 2018, um, uh, which was coinciding with the general synod. Um, but uh, we commissioned an indigenous artist to 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 paint an icon for us. Um, so uh, that was our image for the year, and and the story it told, like many other pieces of artwork, this is just an artwork that was created by uh, an indigenous Australian. Mm-hmm. Um, it tells a story. So uh, I think there's different ways that we try and build that relationship. And in some communities, it's it's a very distant relationship. They might not have any Indigenous people in there. But um, this whole diocese, like Broome and, and, uh, and Darwin Diocese, which is uh, has very significant Indigenous involvement and culture uh, as part of um, their community. I hope you're enjoying this conversation with Malcolm Hart from Australia about the church in Australia and about how uh, the church is engaging with people of all backgrounds and all cultures within the country. This is part of our Catholicism Around the World series, and I hope you take advantage of all of the content we're creating. Click on over to AveMariaPress.com to find more social media exclusive articles, more podcast videos, and everything we're creating for you. All right, back to the show. It it, it sounds like, so there's outreach from the, the Catholic uh, ethos into Indigenous communities. There's, I'm sure, uh, outreach in the other direction, Indigenous communities sharing their own culture. What are some ways, uh, I'll give an example, when I was talking to uh, a friend of mine from the Samoan Islands, and he talked about ways that the Samoan family culture influences worship. Do you find that you commissioned this piece of art when we were at the youth festival, there was kind of an opening of Indigenous prayer, uh, again, acknowledging the land that we were on. What are maybe some other ways that that 
aspect of Australian culture and indigenous culture merge together in the life of the church? I think there's still a lot we have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was interesting this year uh, we had our Australian of the Year Awards only only a month ago and, and the Senior Australian of the Year was a, was an Indigenous Catholic teacher from um, the Northern Territory and, and she said, for years we've gotten to know the ways of, of, of white people. It's, it's time now for, for them to come and sit and sit with us mm. uh, and listen to our story. Um, and that's what we need to do more of. So at the Youth Festival, um, you might have seen, uh, we had a, a space dedicated to Indigenous young people mm-hmm. with yarning circles, uh, which yeah. was just a place to just come and sit and have conversations, which is a mm-hmm. very significant part of Indigenous cultures, just to sit um, to sit on country and to share each other's story. Um, so we need to create more time for that um, because yeah. that's, that's a time process. That's not, that's not an hour. That's not a day. That's not even a month. It's years. Um, there's a lot more conversation and journeying together that needs to be done to build mm-hmm. up that relationship. Um, but, yes, through, through different parts of their culture, that's, that's um, like artwork and, um, and things and acknowledgement, um, but there's a lot more that we need to be doing. Um, mm-hmm. Again, one of the, the initiatives of the, the, the Indigenous Catholic Council was that um, they've developed uh, a, a plaque system where every, every bishop's conference office and um, all churches are encouraged to have a plaque um, identifying the traditional owners and mm-hmm. people of, of the land. So we're trying to incorporate it into our daily activities, our daily sites, our daily practice that we acknowledge and um, even to the point talking to um, our Indigenous, my Indigenous colleague in, in that council about just acknowledging that in our newsletters, our electronic newsletters, just that so that Indigenous feel that this is something for them as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, that's definitely something I think we in the American church have not done a very good job of. I mean, I'll, I'll definitely own that. Um, I live in a part of the United States that we, we say the names of various Native American tribes frequently because like Calcasieu uh, is the name of a tribe, but I couldn't tell you a single story about those people other than this happens to be the area where I'm from. And I don't think that's ever been acknowledged by the institutional church. And I, I'm like hearing this, it, it challenges me to maybe want to ask them to do that because I think it would be a healing thing. Even if I don't necessarily know a single person from that, uh, from that ancestry, like it would still, I think, heal some wounds. Are you, are you fine? I'm kind of digging here, but are you finding that it's working or is it just making people feel better about what they're doing? I I think individually it is working. The the people and and, um, indigenous people that I work with through the youth festival in particular, um, In some cases, they've, they've never had that acknowledgement and inclusion and invitation at this sort of level before. Others mm. have. But, um, you know, when it comes to an acknowledgement for country, like there's um, particular words and, and process to it, mm-hmm. which we could do and just tick a box and say it's done. Um, right. And there's a number of people who would criticise us that why we, why we don't just do that. But what we try to do is expand in that and, and make it a seamless transition into our Catholic faith and our Catholic prayer at the beginning of a, a, an event. Mm-hmm. Um, these are not separate things. Right. Um, so we, we try to, as, as much as possible, incorporate that into not only just ticking a box at the opening but actually in, in every session that we, we have. 
Mm. Um, we try to have some acknowledgement and inclusion of Indigenous people because that it's it's so powerful for them, but it's it's actually really powerful the other way in a sense the mm-hmm. the recognition, the acknowledgement, and understanding that happens. So we had four. Um, uh, four main plenary sessions at the last festival that you were at and we had um, our, our conversations with a, with Bishop Columba and, and one yep. of those was was dedicated to Indigenous people, mm-hmm. um, them sharing their stories, some of the risks, um, uh, some of the issues in their life and that awareness raising is, is critical um, yeah. for us as a community. I loved it. I loved his uh, his his chats at the Jeep. I forget what they were called, but it was, yeah, um, the the it was a very that was the one that definitely stands out to me because they were they were just very honest young people about their history about about their experiences you mentioned that you know this this relational sharing um happening within the australian church at large happening with non-catholic people i mean the 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 telling of stories and the sitting together and the learning and the, the the back and forth the hospitality um one of the things that I was really struck by when I when I visited, and one of the things that I just kind of know about Australian culture, is this concept of community. Um, how do you think that plays out in the Australian church with lay people and and priests and religious? I mean, what's that interplay? We had a, a conversation in this season with somebody who immigrated to the United States from Mexico, and she said she had no idea when she came to the U.S. how much of a role lay people actually played in the life of the church. And I saw that in Australia. It was, it was largely lay people who were at the front lines of this event, who were leading the different groups, who were taking charge. Um, what do you see that interplay? How do you see that playing out in the Australian church? I think there's uh, there's some challenges, but there's also some really good things happening as well. So um, I, I think we're sort of in our infancy in our understanding uh, at the moment or, or practice of uh, um, laity in the church and particularly in their co-responsible mission of the church. Um, much of our conversations in the past and the sermon in the past has been about lay ministry, not lay mission. Mm. Um, about ministry in the church. So what's our role in the church, in the parish? How do we wrestle that away from Father or how does Father collaborate with us and, and things? And um, is, a, is a real challenge for us to shift that focus to, to the mission of the church, not just the ministry in the church. Um, and uh, so I, I think um, one of the things that we're sort of seeing and exploring at the moment is that there is a lot greater collaboration at a parish level between a priest and um, uh, their community. Um, but also we need to do more to educate later about, well, your baptismal mission is to go out into the world to evangelise mm-hmm. out there. Um, organisationally, we see uh, many of the religious orders that have been foundational over the years of, uh, of the church's history in Australia um, are not getting the vocations or, or, or choosing to wrap up their ministries in Australia and creating public judiciary bodies, which is a body uh, like a board which continues the work and ministry of that organisation that carries them going and it's a handing over to lay people to mm. continue that charism. Um, so in, in sort of a, a vocational crisis as such, there's this uh, um, handover to the lady to keep those charisms and mission going. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So it's happening in different ways. But I think the, the most significant challenge we've got is actually transitioning from a focus on co-responsibility of ministry to co-responsibility of mission. Mm-hmm. I like that phrase, that that idea of it's not just a matter of, okay, I believe, but it's a matter of I'm going to share, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be an agent of 
of evangelization, of discipling others. One last uh, kind of question or area, something that I think a lot of people will be interested in. When I when I visited in 2019, that was we landed and they made an announcement. It was in Sydney about the smoke from the fires. And of course, I'm sure we all remember watching the news and seeing, I mean, as for most of us watching from afar, it was like, is the entire country on fire? Like, is Australia going to be gone tomorrow? Because that's just how the news, I don't want to say sensationalizes it, but that's what it came across. Um, I think probably watching the California wildfires, other people from other countries thought the same thing about the States. But I, when I was at the youth festival and I keep referencing it cause that's my only experience of Australia mm. and bluey, um, which, you know, is my daughter's favorite TV show. So I feel like I hang out with you frequently. Uh, but the climate crisis is definitely something that I've, I was struck by how y'all were addressing it with young people and talking about their role in kind of edging out the fact that we are destroying our world with the things that we consume and the things that we create and the things that we buy how are y'all having that conversation as a Catholic church? And how, how would you maybe encourage believers elsewhere who might think, oh, that's some environmental liberal jargon. Like, I don't need to worry about that. But that it, it's something that y'all are taking on. It's something y'all are having conversations about. Tell me a little bit about that. Oh, I think, uh, and again, there's um, lots of different elements that play into this. Obviously, Australia has a lot of natural beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, 90% of our population are on the coastline. Of Australia, that obviously, yeah, the centre is fairly desert-ridden, um, but there are communities in amongst that. Um, so we've got this unique landscape to to manage, um, and and that we're carers for. Um, and I think there's a real strong connection, particularly that the indigenous give to us about the creation, mm-hmm. creation story, and our and our care for the for the land. Um, with that comes, um, obviously, I think Catholic social teaching about um, serving the marginalised and and taking care of creation and 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 really um, looking after each other where we're at. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that we've got a, an office for Catholic Earth Care, which is part of uh, now part of Caritas. Um, we've got. Uh, Different, a variety of different statements. Um, there's a beautiful cathedral in Cairns in North Queensland, their Dyson Cathedral. Um, years ago, it dedicated and, and changed all of its windows to a, a large creation story. Mm. Um, and so we, we've, we've got these now Australian images of creation um, that we use in different ways as well. So uh, it's in all of our school curriculum. Um, there's a lot of social action around this um, from a particular school's point of view. Um, really looking at, well, how are we actually taking care of this beautiful country that we have? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not far removed. It's not some other part of the world. It's, it's ours. It's our home. It's our beaches. It's our lifestyle. It's our landscape. Um, it does go through in transitions. Bushfires are a natural part of um, life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so is flooding. Um, there's, there's, there's wildlife that rely on flooding mm-hmm. for that to happen. Um, so that's all part and parcel and natural uh, as part of the landscape, but we've just got to look at how we respond and integrate with that. And uh, particularly last year after the, the fires around the country, there was a lot, of, um, uh, a lot of people calling for consultation with Indigenous uh, custodians of land about how they uh, manage fires and mm-hmm. uh, take care of the land to, to curb uh, wildfires such that such that was last year as well. So mm-hmm. there's this ongoing dialogue about how we do do this better um, mm-hmm. and make sure that 
we're not just farming and not just building uh, to grow, but we do it in an integrated and ecological way. Mm-hmm. And faith is not removed from that. It's part of it. I mean, the bishops were taking an active lead in having that conversation with young people. Yeah, absolutely. I think God's creation is is at the core of this. We, we've mm-hmm. been handed this as, as custodians and uh, we absolutely need to see this as a part of who we are, how we live sustainably, um, supportively. Um, so, yeah, no, it, it's 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 one and the same. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I've asked every guest this last question and it kind of is how our conversation kicked off. And I have my own answer because I've been there. But if I were to hop off the plane in Brisbane and... Uh, spend a day with Catholics and go to the churches and have conversations with people involved in ministry and just talk to the old grandma who's been Catholic her whole life. What would I, what would I learn about the Australian Catholic church? What would you tell the rest of the world that they have to know about the Catholic church in Australia? Wow. Um, that's a good one. That's a really good question. It's, it is, it is quite diverse and depending on what part of the country you land in and things, I think uh, um, let's see. Sorry, I was going to tell a, a little story, but please, uh, please do, please do. No, it's just I was just going to say I think there's a determination to to the Catholics in Australia, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I, I like telling the story of how Mary McKillop um, was. Uh, a lady who obviously travelled around the country and studying this religious order, but um, I've, I've forgotten the word, but in, in Adelaide she was cast out of the church. She mm. was basically told by the bishop, you're no longer excommunicated. That's the mm. word I was thinking of. She was excommunicated as a Catholic. And, uh, and then she just uh, confined herself to a convert and prayed and, uh, and then on his deathbed the, the bishop sort of lifted that excommunication. Um, but it was her determination and, and her pushiness that mm-hmm. um, led to that. But it also led her to being a saint. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that there is, amongst that community and hospitality, there is a determinedness about our faith, mm-hmm. um, particularly in light of a lot of the challenges that, that are happening. There's a lot of challenges to religious freedom in Australia at the moment and there's a determinedness amongst our Catholics uh, um, to continue the faith, to continue to share the Jesus, story of Jesus, mm-hmm. to, to build a relationship with Jesus. So I think you'll find obviously those those um, that warm welcome and that hospitality, but there's a determination there as well and I think mm-hmm. that, that's at the heart of the church in Australia. That's wonderful. I love to hear that. Um, Malcolm, where would somebody go to learn more about you, about the work of the Bishops' Conference and about the church in Australia? Uh, yeah, so they'd, they'd head along to um, catholic.org.au is our Bishops' Conference site, and there's links there to all our different agencies. Um, I'm the director of the National Centre for Evangelization now. We've had a bit of a merger, and, and youth and, and women's participation and, uh, and laity all fit under the auspice of evangelization because uh, that's, our, that's our mission as a church. So... Uh, and that's at nce.catholic.org.au, and we're trying to rebuild uh, our resources and uh, and our approach uh, because we're in the middle of a plenary council in Australia, mm. uh, and we want to come out of that um, really fired up and carrying the church forward in the future. Awesome. Well, we'll link all that in the show notes so people can find out more. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks, Katie. I loved having this conversation with Malcolm. 
especially because I know him. I've met him. I've been to his country. I've got to spend time seeing this church that he described, witnessing up close this storytelling, this sharing, this this idea of learning where we are and why it mattered and, and what's actually happened there in the past and how that can inform what's going on in the present and even prepare us better for the future. I think that's something really important when we think about the culture's uh, in the world. We think about the different places that the church is, that the church is affecting and changing and serving the world. It's important to know the history of where the church is, the history of how the church has has acted there, the the ways that the church has done good, maybe even ways that the church has struggled and and not done so good. But learning that full story and, and seeing it on a global scale We had an excellent conversation this week for one of our Facebook Live conversations with Father Michael Delaney, who is the the rector of the Oratory of St. Joseph in Montreal, Quebec, which was founded by St. Brother André Bessette of the Congregation of Holy Cross. And, you know, he talked about how when we see the church on a global scale, we build bridges. And it's a two-way bridge. It's a bridge that I'm walking across and I'm bringing my ideas and my history and my understanding. And I'm also watching a person walk towards me and learning what they have to offer and learning what they've experienced and learning their story. When we look at Catholicism on this global scale, we're not just doing it because we're we're trying to be uh, voyeurs, right? Looking at something just purely because we're interested in the map, but we're looking because we want to learn. We're looking because we want to see how the church exists and what the church is doing and how the church is thriving and how that can even affect my own faith, how that can impact my belief as a Catholic day by day. We're digging into this all throughout this Ave Explorer series on Catholicism around the world. You can find everything we're creating, the podcasts, the videos, the social media exclusives, the articles, everything that we've made will be available on AveMariaPress.com. You can sign up for a weekly email. Those weekly emails will begin this coming Wednesday. And we hope that you take advantage of, of getting those emails every week, of seeing what we're creating for you, of maybe even taking the time to share it with other people. We'd especially be grateful if you'd go give us a five-star review on this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. Share it with your friends. The more downloads we get, the more people hear the stories that we're sharing here, these excellent conversations, real stories of people who are living their real faith in the real everyday existence as Catholics. And this time, that real everyday existence around the world. We're so grateful that you listened with us this week. We hope you come back next week to join us for two special episodes with J.D. Flynn and Brenda Noriega. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much.